Hey guys, what's up? My name is Derek Johnson. I'm the worship pastor at Jesus Culture Sacramento, fighting the good fight with you guys. Hey brothers, what's up? Victor Marks here, fighting the good fight with you here in Colorado. God bless you. Hey guys, this is Jason Ellerbrook. This is Jeff Struker. I'm Sean McGowan. Hey guys, I'm Jeff Kemp from Little Rock, Arkansas. Fighting a good fight of faith with you guys. Right along with you brothers. From Raleigh, North Carolina. From Trenton, Tennessee. From Arizona. From Maine. Fighting a good fight with you from Indianapolis, Indiana. All the way from Austin, Texas. Love you guys. I know that we're going through a difficult time. We're living in a difficult time right now. Um, but I just want to encourage you to stay strong. Uh, keep your faith. Stay faithful. God is the one above all, and He's in control of all things. Really today, I just want to take time to encourage you and remind you that God is in control. And when there are so many things uh, that make it feel like it uh, that you have no control, that maybe that's exactly where God wants you. God's still in control, and we got our hand firmly in grip with Him. Take care. Keep your faith. And I'm here to fight the good fight with you. This is an incredible time where I believe God is using this season not only to help us to rest, but He's using the season to prepare hearts for men to know Christ. I don't think I'd make it without Jesus Christ and my huddle of close buddies. So, hey, fight the good fight. Can't wait to see what you guys are doing together as we spread God's kingdom through men who stick together with Christ as brothers. Guys, Hang in there. Don't give up. I know it's hard, but lock arms with other good men, with Christian brothers who have got your back and who will help get you through this thing. Hang in there, guys. Put on the full armor. Be strong. Faith is what's going to get you through everything. So I just pray for faith in your life and peace, and God bless you. We'll see you on the other side of this, stronger than ever. Amen. Amen. This is Jeremy, and I'm your host for this live men's global gathering. Now I want to thank you for being one of the thousands of men that's joining us every single week for this gathering. Now I'd like to thank you as well that you are somebody that's committed to getting in, to getting healthy, to getting strong, and to getting going. Because we know that not only by doing this are you making a positive impact for your life, you're making a positive impact for your marriage, your family, your community, and the world around us. So thank you so much for being here. Now today we're starting a whole new series that we're calling The Big If. Now, why would we call it the big if? I'm, I'm so glad that you asked that today. Now in life, there, there are a series of cause and effect choices that we can make. Let me put it this way. Um, if I don't drink enough water, I will become dehydrated. If I don't brush my teeth enough, I'll get cavities. If I jump out of a plane with no parachute that's flying at 30,000 feet, I will hit the ground with a little bit of impact. Now. That's true in our physical life, but we also know that in the spiritual life, there's a lot of if this, then that kinds of statements and truths that we know. And Jesus gave us all kinds of statements about this. But yet, even though those statements might seem pretty obvious, 
when we look at them, that Jesus had these very obvious statements that if you do this, this will happen. Uh, let, let's be real honest with each other. As men, the obvious sometimes eludes us. Even though we obviously know the right choice, we still make the wrong choices. Now, if that sounds like you, then today's message is specifically tailored for you. And also, let me also say this. If you know somebody else that might benefit from this message, I'd like to encourage you to click the little share button and share this message. Now, let's go ahead and join a men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, live from Everyman Studios in Southern California for session one of The Big If. Good morning, men, and welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. I'm Kenny Luck. I'm so glad uh, that you're with us. If you have a Bible with you this morning, you'll want to hold a spot in John chapter 14. And if you, if you want to download the notes for today's session, there's a little button on the homepage for today's live stream on the everymanministries.com site that you're on right now. Um, wouldn't you agree, guys, that simple and clear language is a good thing? I don't know if you're like me, but I like simple and I like clear language in my relationships and in my interactions because simple, clear language in relationships and in interactions with people makes for simple and clear choices in those relationships on my part. You see, in relationships, language matters. Words matter. Words exchanged in relationships shape the relationship because when words go back and forth between any two people, right, it creates responses. And I think every guy watching this morning understands what that means, whether you were growing up and you had words exchanged with parents, or you had words exchanged with friends, or you had words exchanged with bosses and employers or employees, right? Or, guys, words exchanged with your spouses or your children. You see, words exchanged create closeness or they create distance. Words exchanged create health in relationships or unhealth. And, and that's the idea behind uh, this new series that we're going to start, is that God speaks continually. The Bible says that God speaks to us continually, and he uses his works, his creation, to send a message to us so that we can respond uh, to him. Uh, God has spoken to us, the Bible says, clearly uh, through his son, Jesus, uh, and God speaks clearly to us uh, through his word in the Bible. In fact, when Jesus was about to go to the cross in his final prayer where he's talking to the Father about us, he says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And so God speaks to us continually. And when God speaks to us in his word, sometimes it's just a declaration. It's a covenant statement where God is just stating what is, and it doesn't require any response. Sometimes God speaks to us uh, in his word through narrative, right? There's a story of how his people relate with him, and we glean truth by that interaction and by modeling and by watching how people respond to God, how God responds to them, and there's really no response. It's learning by observation. But then, many times in God's word, he will make conditional statements. He will say, if 
we do this, then he will do something in response to what we do. And that's the, the name of our series. It's called The Big If, because when God makes a, a conditional statement like that, the wise man leans in because conditional statements by God, faithfully applied, which means that I take it in, I understand it, and if I do a certain thing, God says he's going to respond a certain way. Those are important statements that God makes to shape the relationship, to grow the relationship, and here's the most important thing, to grow close to us. You see, when I clearly see and I clearly understand and I clearly hear the simple conditions that God infuses into this relationship uh, with him, then I can form some solid expectations around what God has committed to do. And that's important for our relationship. So we're starting part one of this new series called the big if. And let me just lay it out for you where we're headed in the coming weeks on the men's global live stream. In this series, in each session, what we're going to do is we're going to establish God's word as the reference point for God's men. Would you say something with me? God's word is the reference point for God's men. That's right. This is the playbook. This is what we work out of. This is where God has spoken, clearly revealed uh, himself, his will, his plans in his word. And so if we're going to do a series on God using language with us and making conditional statements that we can respond to and receive the blessing, we have to establish every time we get together just the importance and primacy of God's word. Secondly, we're going to always look at a conditional statement. That's why the series is called The Big If. God says, if something if we do something, then he's going to respond a certain way. So we're going to look at an important conditional statement made by Jesus that does require a response, an active response uh, versus uh, a passive one, all right? And then we're going to look at really the nitty-gritty and just how to respond uh, to the big if statement that Jesus makes. What does it mean? How do we apply it? to our lives. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, are watching a lot of Netflix these days in this current episode and, and season, uh, but I am. And one of the, the series that I've watched is, is The Mandalorian. I'm a Star Wars fanatic. I, I confess that. Um, I love the series, been watching it uh, my, for a big part of my life. And there's a new series called The Mandalorian on Disney+. And there is this character in The Mandalorian. And uh, he's one of those uh, short, uh, odd-looking uh, characters that they create in the Star Wars saga. His name is Kuil, and, uh, and Kuil helps the bounty hunter, the Mandalorian, fix his plane and, and, and protect little baby Yoda. Uh, but what's cool about him is that he's wise and hardworking and patient, and when he talks after every time he talks, he says these three words. He says, I have spoken. And what that means is, that's my thought on that. And it's final. And now you know where Kuil stands, right? And uh, it makes his character really interesting. It makes his character really clear. And it sort of punctuates 
the story. And the reason I bring that up is because God says the same thing. God uh, speaks. Uh, his word is final. He lets you know his thought on that. And then after he speaks, after he has spoken, we get to respond. And it talks about this in the, the book of Deuteronomy. If, if you have your notes, just look right at the top of the sheet. If not, don't worry about it. There will be a footer down here that will show the Bible verse. But in Deuteronomy 29, 29, God says this. Uh, he says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, listen, that we may follow all the words of this law. So when you read that, a simple reading says, you know, there's things that God knows, and then there's things that, that he reveals. He can't reveal everything he knows, but when God thinks about something and he wants us to know it, he'll reveal it, and then once he reveals it, look at the language. It belongs to you means he has spoken. And now there's a response, and then the verse goes on, and it says that we may follow what he says. So let's unpack that a little bit, all right? The Bible says that God has spoken clearly, right? Right here in Deuteronomy and in several places, God speaks. He doesn't speak in mysterious, hard-to-understand language. If he has a thought that he wants us to know, he'll reveal it to us, not so that we can debate it or discuss it or that we can consider it or analyze it. It's so that we can take action with it. So God has spoken clearly. Why? Second fill in, so that we can choose responsibly. God has spoken clearly to us in his word. Why? So that we can choose responsibly, right? Isn't that great? Clarity in relationships. Simple, clear language, simple, clear response. Third, after God has spoken clearly so that we can choose responsibly, uh, responsibly we can avoid frustration emotionally, all right? That's what clear language does. That's what if-then statements do. It's a, it's a clear word. You can make a clear response, and we don't get frustrated in the relationship when there's clarity, all right? We know this is what God wants. This is what God says. We can make a choice. You know when you get frustrated is when people don't communicate clearly, when people try to have you read their minds. You know, that's, that's frustrating, right? And I just thank God that because of his word in our lives, we don't have to try to discern God's feelings about things. He's clearly spoken. We can choose responsibly. And man, that just makes uh, for less frustration emotionally. But then here's the last part of that. We can experience him more fully. You see, that's when you get the most out of any relationship is when there's clear communication that makes for clear choices. And then we avoid all of the fog and lack of clarity and then we can really experience and engage uh, the relationship. You know, there's a picture of that in the Bible in Psalm 19. We're going to put it on the screen. It says this, The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous 
they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Now, those are the words of a person who has a relationship with God, and this is how clarity from God feels. It's clear. It's beneficial. It's the direction that he needs to become the man he needs to be and to get where he needs to be in life. And he's so appreciated. You, you see the value that he assigns to God's word. He's like, God, thanks for firm words. Thanks for right words. Man, these are precious to me. And you know what? They protect me and they provide for me. And that's a truth kind of getting into this series, The Big If, that we really want to sink in, that God's words, when he communicates them, are not to punish you. They're to protect you and to provide for you because he loves you, right? And so that's just our first little section of each session. We just want to establish God's word, that it's our reference point. We'll see what God says about his own word. And what we've seen this morning is that God's spoken clearly. We can choose responsibly so we can avoid frustration in this relationship emotionally and experience him more fully. Now, let's get to one of those conditional statements made by Jesus himself that that gives us options and choices in different situations in our lives. And the first big if statement that we want to explore in this series is on the theme of hearing what he says and keeping what he says. Let's let's listen to John chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. Uh, We'll unpack that and then we'll apply it. John 14, 21 to 23 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Listen closely. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. All right? Let's let's unpack that because this is a huge um, if then statement. In the verse, Jesus says there at the end, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And by implication, he then says, and my father will love him in response. We will come to him in response and we will make our abode with him. So if I keep if I internalize, if I hear, and if I live out what Jesus says, then God promises to do three things. And it's outlined in that passage. Number one, if I keep, then God draws close to me. God draws close to me. Jesus says, you do what I say, you internalize what I say, you apply what I say, and you're going to get close to God. Secondly, uh, if I keep what Jesus says, um, then God dwells with me. Jesus says, we will make our abode, right, with them. Um, 
Think about someone coming into your house, sitting down and relaxing and hanging with you. Think about hang time, all right? That's what Jesus says is gonna happen if we hear what he says, internalize what he says, live out what he says, and keep what he says. He's gonna draw close to me. He's gonna disclose himself to me. There's gonna be even more revelation. He's gonna dwell with me. There's, when I'm listening, hearing, living out what Jesus says, there's an abiding presence on me and with me as I do that. And then third, if I keep, then God manifests his love toward me. I mean, I actually have a sensation of his presence, um, his God's love. Jesus says he will be loved by my Father and I will love him. You know what it's like to feel love tangibly? To see and feel and experience God's love. Now, let me just say something right now. Some of us are like, man, that's the relationship I want with God. I want draw God to draw close to me. I want him to disclose himself to me. I want him to dwell with me. I want to sense his presence. I want to see a manifestation of God's love towards me. Well, then you have to go back to the condition of what Jesus says. He says, if a person has, possesses my commandments and keeps them, that's the person who's really working the relationship. That's the person who's really seeking me and loving me. And, and that's when I'm going to really start showing up with, with, with my presence. You know, have you ever been in a, a relationship and you say things and they're really not internalized, they're not heard, they're not prioritized? That person, by their response to what you have said, or maybe it's a priority you have, or you've, you've verbalized something's important to you, and, and you're kind of looking for a change in them or a response, and their lack of response to what you've said, it basically sends a message to you. Does that, does that bring you closer? Does that make you want to dwell with them? Does that make you want to express and project uh, love and affection toward them? No, it, it does not. And God is a person. And God is speaking clearly. And God has priorities. And God articulates those things. And when we make his priorities, our priorities, that deepens the bond, that deepens the relationship. All right? So we're sending a message to God what we're thinking about God and we're communicating if we're serious about this relationships. And if we hear what Jesus says and we internalize what Jesus says and we live out what Jesus says, right? That does a very important thing. It accelerates the connection in the relationship. It accelerates the feelings that are present in the relationships. Now, any guy who's listening to me right now who's married understands what I'm saying, right? Uh, you know, if, if your wife articulates a desire or a priority, you have a choice, all right? You can hear what she says and respond to what she says and maybe take some action on what she says or not. And you can accelerate her feelings for you or you can decelerate her feelings for you, right? I 
heard my wife mention on the way out the garage getting into her car she said man i would just love a shelf here in the laundry room i could put all my stuff on there and uh it's one of those veiled statements that that is articulated and she's hoping i'll hear it well guess what she took off that day when she came back ken the tool man drill hammer brackets wood molding boom now do you think that that accelerated her feelings toward me that she articulated a priority or something that she wanted and and then i didn't need to uh hear it twice but i just responded because i love her i love chrissy and i want to please her and um she's awesome and so I took action based on what she said, and that accelerated her feeling for me. Did you know that's what Jesus is saying? So now we have to really dive in to being good keepers of what he says. It's like, how do I be a good keeper of what Jesus says if I keep what he says, internalize, live out, apply what he says? I get closer, I accelerate the relationship, he dwells with me, and I experience a more full relationship with him. So let's dig into that. Keeping, all right, that's what we're focused on because that's what Jesus said. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Keeping, number one, means listening humbly. Write that down. Keeping means listening humbly, right? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus uh, grabs a, a child and he's trying to create a visual picture of, hey, this is how our relationship works. And he says, whoever then humbles himself as this child. Well, how does a child uh, think and act humbly. Well, they're trusting. They're eager listeners. They're curious. They're inspired by new things. I'm going to say that list again. They're trusting. They're eager. They're curious. They're inspired uh, by new things. And, and Jesus says, that's how the kingdom of God works. You have to, you have to trust me. You have to be eager to hear what I say. You have to be curious about what's coming out of my mouth. You gotta be inspired by the new things that I'm gonna teach you, and that's humbling yourself like a child. You know, there's many instances where people humbled themselves before Jesus so they could hear what he says, so they can keep what he says. In one instance is in Luke chapter 10, and it's Jesus with a group of people. And uh, there's a compare and a contrast here. And I want you to listen for it as we read Luke 10, 38 to 40. It says this, He, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha, do you see it, was distracted. Right, So what you have is a compare and contrast. There's someone, there's two people, and they're in the presence of Jesus. One is present, sitting at Jesus' feet, 
humbly hanging on every word. Then there is a person who is distracted. Isn't that ironic that the battle to be present then with Jesus is the same now? It's a battle to be present with Jesus. And listen humbly. We have devices, we have screens, we have interruptions, we have notifications from every app on our phone, we have the refrigerator, we have other environmental things, we have interruptions. It's so easy to be distracted. Now, question for you. How do you feel when someone says, I want to be with you, but then when they're with you, they're not present, but they're totally distracted, okay? And I'm guilty of that. In today's digital, fragmented, frenetic, hurried age, we are so easily distracted. But can I just talk to myself as I talk to you? Distractions, when you're in the presence of another person, sends a message to that person. Mary, in the passage of scripture in Luke 10, was sending a message to Jesus about how she felt about him. She was sitting at his feet, listening to his words. And that goes to how we keep what Jesus says. You gotta be present to keep what Jesus said. You gotta be listening, but to be present and listening requires humility, right? Now, there's a a picture of this in the Psalms about a man who is expressing uh, this sentiment. It's in Psalm 119, verses 17 and 18. Listen to the psalmist talk uh, to God. He says, Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold the wonderful things in your law. What a great statement to God. What a great humble declaration to God, where this guy knows who he is. He's a servant of the Lord, and he's telling God, hey, listen, God, you have what I need. So I want to live right. I want to keep your word. And then he makes a very humble statement. He says, I need you to open my eyes. Now, when you tell someone that they need to open your eyes, that doesn't reflect pride. That reflects humility. And so how do we apply this first aspect of of keeping what Jesus says Right? Write this down. Attitude secures access. Jesus cannot connect with a prideful person when he's speaking. Because a prideful person is a distracted person. A prideful person isn't present. A prideful person isn't trusting and eager and curious. Why? Because they know it all. Right? So if you want to experience the closeness of God, God dwelling with you, him manifesting his love toward you, you need a humble attitude because a humble attitude secures access to God's person and it accelerates the relationship. Secondly, keeping means valuing personally, right? We're listening humbly to Jesus's words and we, we have assigned a value personally to when he talks. You ever been with someone and you can tell someone who values what you say personally 
just by their body language and how how they're responding that you can tell by what they're saying they they really value uh, what you're saying and um, we need to have the same perspective in our relationship with God uh, in order to keep his word listen to what Jesus says uh, about valuing what he says he says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. You know what that is, men? That's a value statement, right? The question is, when Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, okay, when I talk, that will never pass away. In other words, they last forever, they're enforceable forever, they are eternal, they're supernatural, all right? They go on. Here's the question. Do I share Jesus's perspective on his words. Now, why is that important? Because whatever we value, we will take big risks for. You risk for what you value. You know, a lot of stories uh, uh, involve something valuable like gold, right? And men dive below the ocean to find the gold. They dig for gold. They pan for gold. They you know, why? Because gold is considered uh, valuable and men will take great risks and go to great lengths for gold. You know what Jesus is saying when he says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words were not, will, ne- will never pass away? He's saying my words are gold. And the question is, do we share that perspective? Because if we share that perspective, Jesus' own perspective on his words, then we're going to risk greatly to discover the gold and possess the gold and enjoy the gold, right? The gold of the words of Christ. So keeping not only means listening humbly, but it means valuing personally. Now, Jesus talks about our relationship to his words in another place in the Gospels, in Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 38, and it has to do with with risking for his words because we value his words. Listen to what he says. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone, listen, is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Do you see the juxtaposition of a relationship with Jesus risking our lives for him, for the gospel, and for what he says, and how that translates into a future encounter with him? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, right? So either we're proud to be connected to Jesus' words or we're ashamed of Jesus' words. And I think any man who follows Christ will get to that crossroads of, am I going to stand up and be proud of my connection to Jesus and be proud of his priorities and be proud of what he says, right? And it's a natural consequence of that, that Jesus in a future moment is going to 
stand with us because we stood with him. And he's going to draw close to us because we drew close to, drew close to him and his words and, and dwell with us and manifest his pride and his love for us. And so if we want to be good keepers of Jesus's words so we can get closer to Jesus and accelerate the relationship, it means listening humbly. It means valuing personally. Now, here's the application. How do I apply valuing Jesus's words personally? Write this down. Perspective produces power, right? My perspective on Jesus's words and their value produces a motivation and an energy in me, right? When Jesus speaks eternal words, God's words, pure truth, my perspective produces a powerful response. If I believe that what comes out of Jesus's mouth is eternal and they're God's words and it's the truest thing about anything, right? What's my response going to be? I'm going to shove all my chips to the table. Can you see that picture? Imagine we're playing at a poker table and uh, a guy has uh, a, a lot of, uh, of money and chips on his thing and he's just betting it all, right? Guys, God's speaking right now. Some of you, you bet a chip on God's word. Maybe you bet a couple chips. But you know, a keeper of Jesus's words that experiences true closeness with him and experiences a manifestation of his love, he bets it all on Jesus's words. And Jesus promises to respond. So here's the question. Are you all in for Jesus's words? Are you all in on this book? Are you, are you pushing all your chips to the table on Jesus's words? Because Jesus says, if anyone hears my word and keeps my word, we're going to get close, right? So we want God to draw close to us. We want God to dwell with us. We want God to, to manifest his love toward us. What does that mean, right? We're going to keep his word. Keeping means listening humbly. Keeping means valuing personally. Number three, keeping means practicing simply, right? I mean, you listen to to Jesus, uh, have a literal come to Jesus meeting with his followers, all right? You know, we say that, it's like, hey, it's time to have a come to Jesus meeting. That means we're going to have to have a serious discussion. Well, listen to the original come to Jesus meeting with followers of Jesus and Jesus saying this in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts it into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, listen, and its destruction was complete. Wow. Now there's Jesus giving us some very simple instruction on how to keep his word. Keeping means that when Jesus talks, we put what he says in to practice. And, and man, isn't that where the rubber hits the road? I mean, doesn't that make 
a follower of Jesus, the real deal. What I want you to see is I want you to see that first line where he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? You see, in Jesus' time, when you called someone Lord or Master, it meant that you were a follower and your Lord and Master spoke, and then you followed what your Lord and Master said. So you get the picture and why he has to say this is he's got a bunch of dudes, people, following him. They're declaring that he's their master, he's their Lord, but there's a disconnect for Jesus. As he's watching them, he's going, yeah, they, they claim this, but they do this. They don't do what I say. And so there's a disconnect for Jesus. Can I just talk directly to you this morning? That same disconnect in Jesus happens with you and me. When we claim to be a follower. We call him Lord, Lord. We go to church. We might even show up in a Bible study. We might even have a couple of these lying around the house. But we don't do simply what Jesus says. That creates a disconnect in the heart of God toward you and toward me. But the opposite is also true. Anyone who hears Jesus' words and practices them simply and immediately, that sends a message. And then Jesus says, man, that's like a guy who's building a house. He's building his life and he's in relationship with me. Man, that house, that relationship with me, that life, solid, all right? A man who does not, who hears, but doesn't put into practice what Jesus says, shaky foundation. I don't know about you, but I want a solid foundation in my relationship with God. A solid foundation means application of God's word, right? The purpose of revelation is application. So when Jesus talks, clearly he's saying that. He's saying anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice. So when we hear Jesus's words, he's revealing his priorities for us. He'll say, if you do this, then this. Application of revelation creates connection. Right? Now, what's the big idea here? Write this down. Right? To apply practicing simply what Jesus says, write this down. Identity drives activity. That's why I had us relook at that first statement that set up the whole building a house picture that Jesus created. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? There's identity. I'm a follower of Christ. Identity drives activity. If I'm a follower of Christ, I do what he says, all right? If I'm a follower of Christ, I do what Christ says. You see, there's lots of voices that talk into our lives trying to tell us what to do, all right? In fact, they're searching for us through cookies, through our computer, on our screens, on commercials, on the radio. You should do this, you should do that, you should do this. Well, the first priority of a follower of Jesus in his whole life is to hear what Jesus says and to put that into practice. We call him Lord, Lord, so we do what he says. Jesus says it, I believe it, and my behavior reflects that belief. So if we want to become good keepers of what Jesus says, we need to listen humbly. We need to value what he says personally. We need to practice what he says simply. And then lastly, 
Keeping means responding to God authentically. Now, let's, let's dissect that because it's, it's a little abstract, but you know what something that's authentic is, right? A synonym for the word authentic means real. So we have to respond to God in an authentic and real way. Why? Because I think we can all agree, we all know people who do the right things for the wrong reasons. What we mean by that is they act in a certain way and create a perception that they are a certain person, but they're really not that person. They're just acting that way because they want to achieve something selfish, right? Their reason for doing what they're doing, it's not sincere. It's not what it appears to be. And trust me, uh, in Jesus's day, there were plenty of guys who were doing the right thing, but they were doing it for selfish reasons. They were doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay, and Jesus talks about that, and we can listen to him really fire a shot across the bow of guys who were using the name of God and using religion as a way to make themselves seem more powerful and more important. And he addresses that group where their keeping of what God says was not an authentic response to God from the right motive of the heart. It was a synthetic, fake, selfish response. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23. It says this, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, Quote, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But, and this is a big but of the Bible, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Listen, everything they do is done for people to see. In other words, and I, I apologize for the language, but it's, it's, it's so visceral what Jesus is saying. They're pimping God. In other words, they're using God's name and using what he says to, not from an authentic, sincere place, but they're using it to be visible. So they're dressing up their public life in God so that people will look at them and see them and, and respect them and reverence them versus look at God and reflect God and respect God and reverence God. Now, uh, this is really important to Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't warn his followers of people who like to be religious, but their religiosity, maybe they quote the Bible, uh, maybe uh, they teach the Bible. Uh, they like sitting in Moses' seat. It's a position of authority and respect, but they don't use that position uh, to, to glorify God. It's actually a front. They might say the right words, but it's really for them. It's for them to get attention. And so keeping God's word means responding to God authentically from the right place inside. In the same chapter in the Bible, Jesus addresses this same group of people 
who do religious things for people to notice them. And he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You know, my guess is for this group of religious guys, it was so subconscious what they were doing. It was so natural to be inauthentic and selfish in, in their practice because they had convinced themselves, hey, this is for God, you know, and I'm doing these things for God. And and, and all their behaviors and their knowledge of God's word, and, and they've convinced themselves, hey, this is for God and this is for his glory. And, and yet Jesus calls them out and he says, yeah, but you don't even know your own motives. You know, the outside looks religious, the outside looks great as you keep my word, but you're not keeping it for the right reasons. You're, you're keeping it and you're disciplining yourself and you have all these disciplines so that you can talk about yourself. And that kind of spiritual life isn't easily accessible to the people that I love because you've separated, you're a first class follower of God and there's all these second class people and you like being a first class follower of God with all of these disciplines and with all of this knowledge and, and what that brings to you from men, right? And what Jesus is saying is like, hey, that public presentation that betrays a private, insincere, and unclean reality in your motives. And Jesus is addressing the why. Why do you really do this? And so when we keep God's word, we got to have the right heart. It's not to be noticed by people. It's to grow this relationship, not be seen and be more visible in this relationship. And you know, that's a, that's a battle I fight. You know, I'm, I'm visible to you. There's thousands of men watching this, but I just need to tell you, I'm not doing this because I want you to watch the men's global live stream. I'm doing what we're doing now, studying God's word so that you can keep his word and man, you and I can grow close here. I don't care about here. This is what's most important. So how do I apply this last point about how keeping Jesus's words means responding to God authentically? Write this down. Intentions matter more than actions. Intentions matter more than actions to God. What's my motive for listening to Jesus? What's my motive for applying what he says? What's my motive for listening humbly and valuing personally and practicing simply, right? right? The big if right? Is when God speaks a clear word, right? Am I humble? Am I valuing what he says? Am I practicing simply? And is my motive right? And if that's there, man, God sees that. He loves that. He wants to get close to that kind of a person. But you know what? The battle rages, guys. There's an enemy that, that doesn't like a clear word from God doesn't want a clear condition that if you understand and apply the condition in today's session, it's if you keep my word, we're going to get close. 
There's an enemy that is against you keeping God's word in an authentic way and getting close to Jesus, and it's the devil, right? Because in the Bible, actually in the first vignette in the Bible, we see this battle. God saying something clearly, a man needing to respond, and then an enemy trying to dilute and pollute God's word. And it's right there on your notes uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, the battle rages in the garden. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Do you see what's happening here? We have God creating man and woman, God wanting closeness with them, God communicating a clear word that it's going to accelerate closeness between, between man and his creator. And then you have this test. And the test is just uh, a suggestion. It's like, excuse me, but did he really say that? Did he really say, hey, don't eat from that tree? And you know what? That same battle is raging right now. God has spoken clearly in his word. We, we know, most of us watching this, know what God has said. But then there is this war of distraction and dilution, and there's this suggestion is, yeah, but did God really say that? And can I just tell you, if you're battling to respond humbly, listen humbly, value what Jesus says, and apply it simply. If you're struggling right now this morning, can I just tell you, you're in the middle of spiritual warfare. If you're listening to a rationalization not to do what Jesus says, a justification for not doing what Jesus says, an excuse to do what Jesus says, if you're accusing someone else and blaming someone else and making that your reason for not doing what Jesus says. You are in a spiritual battle with the devil himself. You can just look over your shoulder and go, hey, Satan, what's up? He's trying to dilute and pollute a clear word from God. Now, Jesus himself experienced that test of God has spoken clearly, and then the enemy comes and suggests that he compromise his commitment. In Luke chapter 4, we read about it. It says this, The tempter came to him, Jesus, and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So, in other words, Jesus has committed to a relationship with God. He's fasting in, in this relationship. He's drawing close to God. And, and the tempter, the devil, comes and suggests because he knows Jesus's capacity and he actually tries to goad him into action and compromise his relationship and commitment to God and to fail this test. And he says, hey, you know, if you're really who you say you are, then why don't you tell that stone to become bread? I know you're hungry. Why don't you just eat? Listen to the response. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Boom! Satan makes a suggestion to compromise and not listen to God. And Jesus, with his heart loaded with God's truth, says, It is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, 
but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow, what a perfect model and mentor for you and I as we round out this lesson. Yes, the battle rages, right? There is an enemy that wants to dilute and pollute a clear word from God. The clear word from God this morning is, if you keep my word, I'm going to disclose myself to you, I'm going to dwell with you, I'm going to manifest my presence, right? So there's the if statement and the then response from God. The enemy wants to pollute and dilute keeping God's commands, keeping God's word, applying what God says, listening humbly. And you know what we say? We say what Jesus says. Why don't we say it together? Man shall not live by bread alone. You say it. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Say that. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what that picture is? That's the child. That's the guy who's eager to hear what God has to say. And that's what God's word is for us going forward. Men of God love the words of God, period. That's what Jesus says. And when men of God love the words of God, God sees their love for what he says, and that accelerates the relationship. And we experience more of God's presence and promise and power. Don't you want that? in your life going forward? Well, that's how we're going to end today's live stream in prayer. We're going to ask God right now to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we're responsive to his word. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're present with you right now. We're sitting in homes and spaces and tables and cars. And uh, Lord, we're here and we're just listening humbly, God. We're like that child. We just, we're trusting you. We're curious. We're inspired by this new living word that you have for us. And Lord, we just want to tell you right now, our hearts are soft. Our spirits are open. We're listening humbly in this moment. And God, we just want to declare to you that what you say is true. The truest thing about anything is what you say is true. Lord, your words are gold they're precious, they're sweet. Sweet to us, Lord. So when we take them in, it just, it transforms us. It satisfies our appetites, God. We, we declare right now that your word is manna. It's bread. It's, it's sustenance. Thank you for that fresh word this morning, Jesus, that, that if we hear and internalize and live out your word, you're going to draw near to us today. And, and Lord, help us to risk more for the gold of what you say. And then God, just where the rubber hits the road today in our lives, in our marriages, in our works, in our work, in our families, in our moral life, in our hearts, in our temptations, God, help us to practice and live out what you say today in a simple, clear way. Lord, when you speak simply in your word, Help us to live simply according to your word. And Father, right now, I just, I sense that there are men who are at that crossroads of knowing what you say, but they're struggling to do what you say. And, and all of us, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, we declare power over all of those men 
And we speak the presence of the Holy Spirit into that man's life right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're going to push him into behaviors that are going to reflect your word. You're going to give him the power that he needs. You're going to remind him who he, of who he is, a servant of the Lord, a man who calls you Lord, Lord, and who does what you say and knows that in doing what you say, he's blessed and is preparing for that moment when he meets you face to face. And his obedience today is going to make that moment so awesome. And so, Lord, we declare victory for every struggling man, every man who's struggling with an appetite, a temptation. There's men who are struggling with weed right now, smoking marijuana, taking drugs right now. Lord, we declare freedom in Jesus' name and obedience to your word. Lord, there are men who are struggling to stay faithful to their wife. Lord, we declare victory for those men today. We, 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 we know that there are, are many of us watching right now. We're struggling with pornography. And Lord, we declare victory today through valuing what you say and keeping what you say and knowing that if we keep what you say, your power and presence is going to replace that appetite for porn. And we declare that victory in Jesus' name. God, we thank you so much that we can have right motives. We can want to do your word because of what you've done for us. Jesus, it's so easy for us to obey you and to keep your word when we think about what you did for us. And there are men listening right now. You need to acknowledge what Jesus has done for you so that you can have the power and motivation to do what he says. Jesus, today we just acknowledge your death for us. Jesus, today we acknowledge that you died on a cross. Jesus, we acknowledge that you volunteered to do it. Jesus, we acknowledge what you've done for us on the cross, dying and forgiving us of all our sin. And Lord, we accept what you did for us so that we can be saved, but also so that we can be motivated by what you did for us. It's easy to obey your word because when we obey, it's a thank you for what you did for us. So fill us right now with gratitude and power in the name of Jesus and all God's men said, amen. Man, what a great word God has for us right now, especially in these times. And so if this is your first time, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. Can I just encourage you to uh, go ahead and, uh, and share this with somebody maybe who needs this clarity from God's word. Maybe you know a brother who's struggling. Maybe you know some other guys at your church who would benefit from this study. And let me encourage you, after this live stream, on the notes, there's discussion questions. I would love to have you go through those right now with somebody, either through FaceTime or through a Zoom call or whatever. It's been great being with you, and we'll see you next week on the Men's Global Livestream. God bless. Thanks for watching our national broadcast. If you felt connected to today's message, there's a couple of things that you can do. First, you can subscribe to our daily devotionals. Each day, you will receive via email a new men's daily devotional for you to go deeper in your walk with God. Now, second, you can sign up and be a subscriber to our Everyman platform. We have hundreds of custom curated curriculums for you and your men to do Bible study together. We also have special documentaries, films, and even music from our Dangerous Good Conference. We want you to be a part of our growing community of men that are being transformed daily to become what God always intended them to be.
Now to subscribe, just go to our website at everymanministries.com and sign up today. Thanks so much for watching and God bless.